Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Roshini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world controversy or ripped-from-the-headlines crisis. My Crisis Squad and I are here to find solutions. We also chat with insiders who are in the know. Miss Shannon Paul is here today, known by her stage name, Miss Shannon. She is a speaker, comedian, and social instigator. That last title is why we have her here, to get into a topic that's stressful for some and a breeze for others. In the case file I call, Accidentally Insensitive. Whether you're talking political correctness, microaggressions, cultural sensitivity, or a host of other labels, many of us are watching what we say now more than ever. In fact, workplaces do various sensitivity training for awareness of and productive action toward these topics. Shannon, you lead some of those trainings and are a keynote speaker on the topic of cultural sensitivity. Let's start with some definitions. What does it mean to be that person who is insensitive? Well, lots of times, especially here in the Midwest where we're broadcasting from, it's a matter of not really spending a lot of time thinking about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. And so you have a tendency to just say, well, this is what I'm comfortable with. And this other person obviously is going to mirror what I do. And that's not the case. We all have different backgrounds, different histories, different things that help us know who we are as a fully formed human being. And so it's keeping that into mind that there might be something that you're missing in somebody else's history that is making it a difficult road for the two of you to come to a meeting of the minds when you're communicating. Let's talk about that history. Are there any commonalities you see when you're on the stage or you're doing some of these workplace trainings that are maybe just some myths out there or common stereotypes? Stereotypes, we know that they're all based with a kernel of truth. I try to encourage people to just throw most of the things they know about stereotypes out the window. And if you use those stereotypes as an opportunity to let your brain, I say, get lazy. If your brain's going, okay, I've met someone who wears black blazers and here's what they've always acted like before, what it does is shut you down from what this human being in front of you might actually be. And it also limits them into what you think they're supposed to be versus who they actually are. And I know it's more work to take time to get to know everybody on an individual basis, but I try to help people go, here's the quick way to start these conversations and the quick way for your brain to stop running this playlist of here's the expectation based upon what you think you know versus giving yourself a few more moments to go, here's what I actually can learn about this person. I like that. The Mm -hmm. think you know versus Mm -hmm. what either actually is or what you actually know based on what you've stopped to learn in the moment. Right. Because since I identify as a black woman, as a mom, as, you know, whatever orientation I have, that may be a portion of who I really am. But if you're only going by that initial label that you think I would probably put myself into first, then you're really missing all of the other things that make me an individual. And I think that's reminding ourselves on a regular basis that even though I am these primary labels, there's a lot of other things that if you knew them about me would make it easier for us to communicate. 
I want to get into that a little bit, this idea of labels, because mm-hmm. there was a time, and this goes to the history that we're trying to also help people with. There was a time when people weren't as public or weren't as out there about all of the various details of their life. So I'm an ex-TV news reporter. And in my day as a reporter, we didn't really share what's our religion on the air. We didn't share things about our family. We didn't share where we lived because we were supposed to be neutral, objective, and also in some cases for safety reasons. Correct. Now it seems like we've almost gone to the extreme where people want to share so much. What do you recommend as someone who is teaching and training and helping others to be more sensitive, but then also when there are so many things coming at them about other people? I encourage people to think as broadly as possible. And really, as much as you can, go on a case-by-case basis, which is not the easy thing to do. I think we like to arm ourselves with this blanket strategy of how we're going to deal with people in the workplace, people in our social circles, people in our family. And case-by-case is not always relevant to be able to use this blanket methodology. It's a really difficult thing to read a full room full of people, but quite often it's, okay, who am I dealing with right now? Right now, I'm talking to you, Rashini. So it's me going, all right, so what do I need to know about Rashini to make this interaction work smoothly? And not going into, oh, it's your job, Rashini, to make sure that I'm happy. It's how can we do this together? It's important to me to go, until I know how you label, until I know how you want to interact, I don't want to jump to a lot of conclusions. So I'll use broad terminology. I'm not going to presume based upon anything that I can see from your visual or physical characteristics, what religion you are, what you want to self-label as, whatever, until you tell me otherwise you're Rashini, because that's what we've been introduced as. And I stay with that until I go, all right, they have now given me additional information that I will now use as I continue this interaction. And that's what I encourage people to try and do. And I know it slows you down. But, you know, doesn't life move fast enough as it is? It really does. And I love that explanation, that advice. It really gets to something I talk about. I teach with my clients, which is audience analysis. Yes. So really focus in on who that audience is, one or many, and structure your communication to that. Right. Not what you want but what really is going to resonate with them. Another thing that I really like to talk about, and I think you are the person to talk about this with, is we can't really solve for isms, let's say racism. No, sexism, any of those things. At the macro level until we handle it at the micro level. And often the micro level is just the one-on-one, human-to-human. Right. What Shannon teaches me about her, what I teach Shannon about Rashini, and every day, whomever I am with, let those one-on-one or one-on-two encounters be what helps break down some barriers. Absolutely. And I really feel that, you know, if we're talking in the buckets of, okay, how do I deal with this in the workplace? The reason why I think that it comes up more often than it used to is these tactics that we were using before that were jokes, incidental slights, all of these things were really exhausting certain people in different communities and making it very difficult for them to thrive in some of these settings. So I understand why if we have some of our legacy employers that are accustomed to a certain strategy and a certain methodology, why this seems really complicated and foreign, when really all we're saying is some of these blanket strategies that you'd use before 
aren't going to work any longer because you are trying to diversify your workforce for a variety of different reasons. So it's not always based upon age. It's not always based upon what gender identity you're using. It's not always based upon your sexual orientation and how you choose to identify. It's all of those things. Because if you only focus on one, then you're really cutting yourself off from a very cohesive ability to get a lot of things done and attract a bigger audience. Yeah, well... It is really amazing when you come across someone who really does want to understand right. and does ask the questions or says, tell me more, tell me more, I want to understand. But what I also have found when I want to be that person, sometimes it's not taken well. Right. It's as if I should have known all this stuff and I don't know everything right. about every possible person <laughs> or category there is. Exactly. That's why I discuss this from a point of accidentally insensitive because we all have those moments where we put our foot in our mouth. And I try to give both sides of the story and go, if you're getting some pushback, it might be because of this. Maybe you have run into an individual that has a history that you're not familiar with, and that's all fine. But here's the ways that you can continue that conversation and not feel like you are any of those isms and any of those is. If you made a mistake, you made a mistake. And if you're getting that pushback, I try to encourage people to go, well, at least you tried. Here's what might have happened and why the interaction wasn't what you were expecting. So if nothing else, you'll try again. Because I never want anybody to feel so slapped in the face because they just met somebody on the wrong day and they were not at their best moment. You know, I live in this space. You live in this space. So there are lots of ways for you to educate yourself and to come and talk to people who choose to be in this space. I do not encourage you to go, okay, if I have one friend that's in this category, now it's their job to be the ambassador for everybody in that one. And it's also not always their job to educate you on this. There are lots of resources out there. And if you're talking to, we'll just use the word Susan and anybody could be a Susan. If you're talking to Susan and Susan is not in the mood and does not feel like it's her place to educate you on this subject matter, you don't get to get mad at Susan. Susan doesn't have to do the work. If you want to educate yourself, you need to find the people who want to educate you on this. You can't pick the person who's supposed to be your professor in these spaces because they choose to label that way. I do think that happens quite often where you pick the wrong professor and that professor wasn't here for it. Don't bug people when you're at the gas station. Don't bug people when you're at the bank. That's not their job. Some days they just want to come to work and do what is what they do. That's why they yeah. say there's a time and place for everything. Absolutely. Right? And sometimes you need to give it a chance to breathe. And so if you have an exploratory question, maybe you need to figure out a way to go, hey, I would love to learn more about you When's a time that we can have this conversation? You can't bombard somebody or hijack them when they're in the middle of doing something else. It might be appropriate. Maybe they just had a rough day with their kids. Maybe they got stuck in traffic on the way here and they're feeling a little, you know, leftover road rage. And now you want them to educate you on, you know, something to do with their identity. And then you wonder why they're angry about it because they should just be honored that you care. It doesn't work that way. It's a two-way street. Well, and here's my tip. Even when I just make a phone call, and, mm -hmm. you know, these days phone calls are usually scheduled. Right. right? Exactly. But if I just happen to call someone, I always start by saying, do you have a couple minutes? Or right. if it's really more than in a couple. Do you have 10 minutes right now? Right. And if they say, I don't right now, I'm like, great. Right. Let me call you at that time. And I appreciate it when people say that to me. Mm -hmm. And I will say, I've got about three minutes right now, but if this takes more than that, let's plan for another time. Right. And I think that's another piece of this is just not getting so overwhelmed by the content or being sensitive or insensitive. Right. Just remember 
some basic principles of good communication. Yes. They, I would say, eight to nine times out of ten will also help you not be insensitive. Exactly. But then, of course, we all can learn about various communities, people who aren't the same as we are on so many levels. I mean, I am constantly learning about age brackets that are above or below me. Right. Constantly. Right. Just because you're a woman, it doesn't mean a 65-year-old woman thinks the same way I do, nor does a 25-year-old woman think the same way I do. So it's just continually being that student of humanity. Even though you and I are friends, but we have very different backgrounds, if you put us in a packet, the people would go, oh, they're women in media. They're going to respond X, which isn't true. I mean, we both have a very different way that we respond to certain uh, things. And there might be some similarities in it, but you definitely couldn't sit there and go, oh, they're women of color and they're in the media, so they're going to respond this way. You have no idea. You have no idea. And since you and I are friends, I could probably tell them, like, well, you came at her wrong, you know, and you could do that. But if they don't take the time to get to know us a little bit farther than that, they're going to have no idea. And they're missing out. You really do miss out on things that make our interactions so much richer when we do it that way. Absolutely. Well, one term that you've said here today, which I want to spend a little time on so that people really understand what it is, microaggression. Yes. I'm glad that we have a better terminology for this, where it's those everyday slights, those things that are dropped as if they're a joke or an icebreaker. Well, you're really X for a woman. You're really Y for as a black person, as a this, as that. Those slights that people use as I think I know who you are. Usually it doesn't come from a place of like vitriol or anger or any of those things. I do think you often feel that tension in a room or you get that nonverbal feedback from somebody where they didn't think something you thought was funny was funny. And then you wonder why. It's like, oh, well, of course she's going to be okay with the fact that I asked her, you know, if I could touch her hair. It's a compliment. Well, it doesn't always come as a compliment to the person who's receiving it. That's what I believe we really see in a lot of group settings now and being able to label it for what it is and then be able to help people unspool what they might be doing. I'm in a position where I can sit there and go, you know, just so you know, don't do that to anybody else. I'm going to take it. okay? but (laughs) let's just stop this right here. Don't do that to people you don't know, you know, kind of thing like this is how this could be interpreted. Well, I just think of this and I just want to make it just like as broad as possible. Right. I am a dog lover. A lot of dog lovers out there. I'm a runner. I run with my running team. We all love puppies, especially. But when we see a puppy and the puppy wants to run to us, we never just jump on the puppy. We say to the human, Mm -hmm. is it okay if we pet your puppy? Mm -hmm. So, like, in that same regard, even more so, if it's another human being, you don't touch their belly. You don't touch their hair. You don't say, oh, my gosh, you're so much taller in person. Exactly. Without realizing that's going to be a problem. I've gotten that. I've also got, oh, you're so much shorter in person. So those are the kinds of things that, to me, are just common sense communication. You know, there's lots of people. There's millions and billions of people on this planet, but there's only so many of them that leave the house on a regular basis. So you're going (laughs) to run into certain people. And so some of us are adept at it. And some people are like, you're not one of those people that leaves the house on a regular basis. So it's okay (laughs) to help them get ushered into this is how personal space works. Maybe don't walk up to everybody and ask them a bunch of nosy questions when they're in the produce aisle at your local grocer. They're just does this happen to to you a lot because you've mentioned grocery stores? Gosh, yes. I get questions all the time. Wow, you know, kind I'm of so, thing. Well, I try to avoid grocery stores because <laughs> I'm really not a good cook. But, all right, I want to 
find out how can we rebound after a stumble. You know, my favorite thing about it is being able to apologize not only to other human beings, but to yourself and giving yourself that self-compassion of taking a breather and going, I'm not going to ruminate on, oh, I felt this way. I am a terrible person or even the other thing that happens a lot of times, if somebody responds in a place we don't like, we get mad. Where you have an argument, but the other person's not there, you're just fighting back and forth, and so you answer for them in your head. And so those I think, are so self <laughs> exactly because now you're right because instead of actually having the conversation with the other person, you're going back and forth and presuming what the outcome is because you went both directions. That's not fair to them or to yourself because you don't know how this interaction could actually go, just give yourself some grace and know that it's okay to apologize to another person. Go, you know, I'm sorry, that's not how I meant to say it. I meant to say this. What would have worked? And being open to having that open mind of how you're going to interact with people is what I encourage people to do. Great advice. Thank you, Ms. Shannon, for your sensitive and <laughs> enlightening insights. Learn more about her work and how to connect directly at MissShannon.com. That's Shannon with an A-N. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Number one. Some jokes are actually reductionist slights. Identify stereotypes that you commonly find yourself using. Make adjustments based on facts and history. Number two, have even a bit of a doubt about what's about to come out of your mouth? Stop. Ask a trusted source for help or look it up before you speak or post. Number three, become a better student of humanity. Learn something new about someone new. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is a proud sponsor of the Crisis Files podcast. The Minneapolis Regional Chamber is the area's most active business advocacy organization, playing a critical role in top issues impacting the region, including workforce development, education, housing, and transportation. Make your voice heard by becoming a member of the Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Learn more at mpleschamber.com or Google Minneapolis Regional Chamber. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hamilton. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive and special videos. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.